In the name of the glorious Trinity, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, forever. Amen. Glory be to the everlasting mercies which sent you to us, O Christ, the light of the world and the life of all. Give us wisdom by your law and enlighten our impulses by your knowledge. Sanctify our souls by your truth and grant that we may be obedient to your words and may fulfill your commandments at every hour. O you who enlightens the rational with the knowledge of your greatness, do enlighten, O my Lord, our thoughts, that we may meditate upon your holy and divine scriptures at all times, O Lord of all, Father and Son and Holy Spirit forever. Amen. A blessed rogation of the Ninevites to you all, my dear brothers and sisters. Those who have called a fast upon themselves during this time, remembering the fast that our forefathers, the Ninevites, uh, offered to God in the city of Nineveh, according to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. Those who haven't, it's never too late to, um, to call the fast upon yourselves, to offer that fast in prayer, in supplication, so that our sins, our transgressions, our shortfalls that have risen to the throne of God and have displeased Him will be forgiven and that God will have mercy upon us as He did to the Ninevites. I'm not going to talk much about the rogation, but I'm going to talk about the main point of the rogation, which is the repentance that the Ninevites offered that repentance that was pleasing to God, that repentance that turned or changed or altered God's um, decision of destructing Nineveh to a decision of preserving it and showing mercy upon it. So the significance of a rogation or any period of fasting be it the rogation, be it any fasting of the holy saints of the church or the 50-day great Lent, the significance and the key factor is repentance. And we're going to talk about what is repentance or um, repenting from what. Uh, we're going to talk about how do we know what we need to repent from and obviously how do we repent and why must we repent and put great emphasis on the act of a repentance? Well, to repent is basically to turn away, to do a 180-degree turn, beloved. I have the four Ds of repentance in our life, in Christ, as Christians, in our walk with Christ, in our claim to be Christians in this world, meaning we belong to Christ, we must repent from what is displeasing to God, what is despising to God, what is disappointing to God, and what is disobedience to God. The four Ds. Father Janard's four Ds of repentance. Why? 
Well, simply because we are his creation. And if we stop there, we cause ourselves to shortfall of the greatest gift and title that we have received. We are not only his mere creation, but we are made in his image and his likeness. We are gods with a small g, and we are his children, beloved, through our faith in Jesus Christ and our baptism, according to Galatians 3, 26, 27. The question arises, and many have asked me this question, um, and I ask myself sometimes, every, every Christian should ask him or herself this question. How do I know if I need to repent from either one of the four Ds or all of the four Ds? Again, displeasing to God, despising to God, what is disappointing to God, what is disobedience to God? Well, let me be a politician, I always mention this, and uh, answer a question with a question. How do you know when it is time to pay your physician, your family doctor, a visit? How do you know? Well, yes, the symptoms, obviously. When you start getting these symptoms, you know that, and as they, as they become more aggressive and they progress and become more in, intense, then you make a decision to see or pay your physician a visit. A few weeks ago, I had chest pains for over two weeks, and I didn't decide to go to the physician until I could hardly breathe. And that's when my wife said, I think it's time for you to, to, to go and pay your physician uh, a visit. Better still, let me ask you this question. How does the physician or the doctor know what's wrong with you? How to diagnose you, what, what to give you, what to prescribe you? Yes, by examining you. When he examines you physically, mentally, verbally, what comes out of your mouth, when you tell your doctor, your physician, what your pain and your struggling and your uh, symptoms are, then examining you physically, then the doctor will most probably and nine out of ten times prescribe you medication. It goes without fail, medication. Right? So the key word is, examination. St. Paul writes to the Corinthians in his second epistle, chapter 3, verse 15, examine yourselves. This is now not a physical examination. This is a spiritual examination. So off the bat, how do I know that I need to repent? How do I know that I possess the four Ds, or there may be 15 Ds, that are displeasing God, is to examine yourself and Paul goes on to say, and see if you stand in faith. Above all, the first and foremost, it's faith. Self-examination of your faith. Uh, an introspection uh, of your faith. A study on, you know, your, uh, your qualities in the faith. Your thoughts in your faith. Your con conduct in the faith. Your motives in your faith. So St. Paul instructs that we need to examine to see if we are standing in faith. And what is faith? According to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the conviction or the persuasion concerning those things that are in hope as if it were these things are in action. So hoping for what? For something that as though it has happened. So when we hope for the kingdom of heaven, 
the eternal bliss, the kingdom of God, when we hope for it, it's not one of those wishful thinking. It's a hope that is assured that it will happen. It is ready for you and I. And the revelation of those things that are unseen. But also, we can add to that that faith is also obedience to God, which entails love, trust, respect, etc., why? Because Jesus commands in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, that means you believe in me, you have accepted me, you witness for me, you proclaim my name, you sing your Christian songs, you raise your hands in worship and, and, and love the Lord. If you love me, keep my commandments. There's obedience. Keep my commandments. Do as I have commanded you, as I have instructed you. Why? Because it is by our deeds our faith is made perfect, according to James chapter 2, verse 22. That is, by our obedience to God, our faith is perfected or justified. So, let us examine ourselves first. Examine ourselves. What are the examination tools? You have the spatula, is it called? What the doctor puts in your mouth and says, asks you to gag, and you go, ah. <laughs> I'm sorry if those are that are eating right at this moment. Um, to check your tonsils, and he sticks the little microscope in your microscope in your ear and the stethoscope on your chest, right? And he hits you with a hammer on your knee to see your reflections are well. Hey, I'm a physician. I, there you go. That's all I know about that. <laughs> so, so what are the what are the tools and the means by which we may examine ourselves? First and foremost, are the holy scriptures. You know, Jesus says. I don't judge you, but the words that I speak, which are now recorded in the Holy Scriptures, they will judge. They will reveal, expose any of the four Ds that we possess. The Scriptures, the Church itself, the Holy Church of God, the body of Jesus Christ, the flock of Jesus Christ. And when I say the Church, examine ourselves by the canons of the church, the principles of the church, the laws of the church, the liturgy of the church, the sacraments of the church. And obviously, most importantly, by the intercession of God, the Holy Spirit. When we pray, we ask the Spirit to intercede. So when you begin your examination... And you're reading your script before you even begin to read your scriptures, before you even begin to search the principles, the laws, the liturgy, and the sacraments of the church, pray to the Holy Spirit and ask and beseech the Holy Spirit to intercede so that He will reveal any of the four D's of our repentance. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus claims the spirit of holiness, which means the Holy Spirit, whom my Father sends in my name on the day of Pentecost, and any time the priest, the ordained 
priest who invokes the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, the Father will send that Holy Spirit to bless and sanctify the waters of baptism, to bless and sanctify the elements of uh, the host of the Holy Eucharist, the bread and wine, to bless and sanctify the laying on of the hand, the person that is being ordained uh, into the priesthood. The Holy Spirit, whom my Father sends in my name, he will teach you all things and he will remind you of everything whatsoever I have told you. So along with teaching and reminding, will reveal, will expose, will convict, will encourage. So relying on the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, to give us the diagnosis of our examination, our spiritual examination. St. Paul writes to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 26, the Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit, helps our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for whenever it is necessary, but the Spirit prays in our place with groaning, which is unspoken. Praise God, unspoken. Praise God. God groans with us. God sympathizes with us. Isn't that amazing, beloved? What a, what a loving God we have. God's desire is truly that every person on this earth comes to the knowledge of the truth and is saved and enters that eternal bliss. So the Spirit, who knows our weakness, knows our one of the four Ds, or if not the whole of the four Ds that we possess, that we need to repent, the Spirit will reveal to us what it is that we need to repent for. So now, having an understanding of repentance and discovering and finding out, um, uh, being you know made known of what our um, what we need to repent from, how do we repent? Well, during this period of repentance that we offer during the rogation of the Ninevites, let me read Job chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. Now, after the city of Nineveh was told, not told to repent, Jonah was in Nineveh, not through his own free will. You know, sometimes people ask me, Rabbi, you know, we say that God has given us free will, but he interfered with Jonah's free will. He made Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. He was escaping. Yes, amen. God has every right to interfere when it comes to the salvation of souls. So sometimes be prepared. You may not want to do it, but God will permit you or will cause you to do that so after he has come to the city of Nineveh he doesn't even proclaim repentance he he the first thing that comes out of his mouth is God is going to destruct your city doesn't mention repentance and obviously there was a dialogue you know during the during the uh, the prayers uh, and the readings of the rogation of the Ninevites you know the 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 tradition or the the verbal tradition of the fathers you know is written what dialogue there is between Jonah and the king of Nineveh and the Ninevites but look at what they did John chapter 3 verses 5 to 9 then the people of Nineveh believed in God. Not that they didn't know God, they didn't believe in God. They believed, they understood, they fathomed, they accepted that we have 
disappointed. Let me go back. We have displeased. We have despised. We have disappointed. We have disobeyed God. And they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him. You know, we ask the question, how do I repent? Here it is. He arose, for he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. Now, don't take this literal. You know, I don't want to see people coming to Larsa Hall or Marzaya Church or St. George Church or Marade Church sitting on ashes, okay? These are metaphor. Uh, he, you know, the, the city did this. But there's a metaphor. You know how we say, in a city we say, right? I think I mentioned this last time in a program. We talked about this. Um, ash be upon your head. It's an analogy. It's an, uh, uh, um, an idiom of... Uh, a state of where someone has no more hope. There is no hope, but obviously there is always hope. So as helpless as the city of Nineveh was seen, but there was hope, and and they received that hope, they received that grace and mercy from God. He issued, the king of Nineveh issued a proclamation, and it said, the Nineveh in Nineveh, this is the decree of the king. In Nineveh, by the decree of the king of he and his nobles. So, make a decree for yourself. In my body, in Jannard, in Stephen, in Adrena, in anyone, I am going to now decree to myself that, and he goes on to say, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste the thing. Now, I don't mean to say make your... Uh, domestic pets fast, <laughs> no, but make a degree for yourself that I will not taste anything. And see, there is the concept of fasting. It's not just not eating meat and not eating double-double burgers. No, it means total abstinence. I'm going to talk a little bit about the services. Total abstinence. No flock should taste a thing. That means abstain. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both, see, not... Do not let them eat or drink. Um, if they like chocolate, they cannot eat chocolate. If they don't, if they like to drink Red Bull, well, let them just give up Red Bull. No, no, no. Do not eat or do not drink. Abstinence. Because of the serious, of seriousness of sin. Because of the seriousness of the four Ds of repentance we've spoken about. Do not let the let men, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both men and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands to turn away. There it is. We, we defined uh, repentance. Turn away 180 degrees from the wickedness that is in his hands that phone that we hold in our hand and we scroll through our social media and what we post on our social media, be it pictures or words or posts or whatever it is or captions, you know, let's turn away from that wickedness, beloved. Who knows? He continues, who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his, withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. This is how we repent. When we have 
we discovered our, our sins, our transgressions, our weaknesses. What we do, because most of these we do with the body, we deprive the body from what it is essential for, food and drink. Jesus fasted, neither ate nor drank. This is how we fast, beloved. This is why in the beginning I said those who haven't fasted, you're either, you've either reached that completion and perfection and holiness, God bless you, Please pray for me, because I haven't. That's why we are fasting. But I doubt that there is someone that can claim that out there. Offer that, offer that, uh, uh, that repentance and offer that fasting and that rogation. A nice prayer during this time is Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 to 3. Show mercy upon me, O God, according to your kindness, and according to the multitude of your mercies, blot out my sins, wash me completely from my evil, and purge me from my sins, because I know my crimes and my sins are always in front of me. This is such a powerful prayer. It's not just the psalm reading. It is a prayer. And what a beautiful prayer befitting for any time we fast and we ask God to forgive us so that we may repent from our sins, our transgressions. If you're involved in adultery, if you're sleeping around, repent. If you're a husband or a wife and you're cheating on your husband or your wife, repent. If you're a drug dealer and you're on your way now to do a deal, repent. If you're an alcoholic and you're destroying your family yourself, repent. If you're a gambler and you're to uh, uh, continuously deceiving your family, you're stealing from your from your wife, you're 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 lending, uh, borrowing money which you know you cannot repay, repent. If you gossip, if you cuss, if you hate, repent, beloved. Why? Why must we repent? Because Jesus very bluntly, very perfectly, and very simply effectively, eternally says in Luke 13, unless you repent, all of you shall be destroyed, regardless of what rank you are, regardless of who you are. Unless you repent, all of you shall be destroyed. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus commands, produce therefore fruit that is fitting of repentance. This is why we must take it serious, beloved. You know, sometimes when we talk about fasting, we joke around, we take it very lightly. But fasting is the key, is the mean by which Jesus himself established to overcome evil, to overcome evil desires, to overcome Satan and his trickeries and his temptations. And remember, where does Satan attack? He attacks you when you're on your social media, when you're on your laptop, you're scrolling around, and then he throws those, those pop-ups and then he entangles you. Well, you know what you do during these three days? Let's repent and let's fast from getting on our social medias. Let us repent and let us fast, let us abstain for three days from scrolling TikTok. Let us do that, beloved. And then when we do, it becomes so encouraging, so self-pleasing, that when the rogation is over, when your fasting period is over, you feel like you do not want to go back to it like a dog returns back to its vomit. But you know what? I'm sure this time next year, we're going to be talking about the same thing again. 
because we are weak. Repentance is a part of Christian life. Repentance is not a... That's not repentance. Are you repented? Yeah, I have, but I keep falling. I keep falling because I'm weak. Repentance is one of the struggles that we continue in our Christian life. Let me share Revelations chapter 2, verse 5. Remember from where you have fallen from. See, when we're in sin, when we have given up and our, uh, dropped our shield and have conformed to the patterns of this world and given up to the attacks of Satan, we form from the place that we were at one stage where we weren't sinning or we weren't uh, giving up to the patterns of the world. So remember from where you have fallen from and do the former works, deeds. We spoke about the significance of deeds. But if not, I will come again. I will come against you and I will move your menorah, which is lampstand, unless you repent. One of the church fathers, Caesarius of Arles, was a bishop of Arles, which is in France. One of the late uh, church fathers. I love his comment and I want to share it with you. He writes, commenting on Revelation 2, 5, and in, in relation to the lampstand or the menorah. He writes, Note that he, Jesus, did not say that he takes away the lampstand, but that he moves, he will move it. For the lampstand signifies the one Christian people. Therefore, he says, that this lampstand is to be moved, not taken away, so that we might understand that in the very same church, the evil are moved and the good confirmed. Moreover, he means that by the hidden but nonetheless just judgment of God, that which is taken from the evil is given as increase to the good. This fulfills that which is written, He who has, it will be added to him, but him to him who has not, even that which he has shall be taken from him. Matthew twenty five twenty nine. So Christ is 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 pre-warning us that unless we return back to the good deeds, back to pleasing God, back to obeying God, back to appeasing God, which is the same thing, and back to working deeds, which are the, the confirmation of our faith that actually God loves. If we don't, we will be moved. What is being given us, the gracious gifts of the Holy Spirit that we have received through our faith, the baptism, the holy sacraments, whatever we have received, that will be taken away, that will be moved to those that have been obedient. It's serious, beloved. Unless we repent, the Lord will come back and remove. That means evil and good cannot dwell with each other. On this earth, there is good and evil. Why? Because the good are left by God to be an example of what God is appeased by and how people of God should live. The evil remains as an opportunity to repent. And St. Peter writes that people are saying that, let me paraphrase it, some people are saying that God's return is delaying. It's not delay. It's given every person a chance to repent. 
Because when the Lord returns, when the Lord returns to judge, he will not call people to repentance. He will call all to that fearful, awesome judgment. He will not come to bear our sins, our transgressions. He will come to reward, to recompense our evil deeds, which means total separation from God. But we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on the day when the Lord returns, that we will praise his holy name and we will bow willingly, we will confess joyfully that he is our king who has come to take us away to the eternal bliss that is awaiting us because we have offered our prayers, our fasting and our repentance. We have been busy struggling tirelessly in repentance so that we may receive that holy, pleasing command from God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Praise be to his name now and at all times and forever and ever. Amen. One last thing, please also don't forget to rate and review this podcast and share with your friends and family. If you'd like to suggest future episodes or give us detailed feedback, please visit the link in the description or on our Instagram, linktr.ee forward slash double-edged sword. God bless you all.